Tisha's virtual couch. Hey, you guys, and happy December to you. Welcome to Letitia's virtual couch. Now, December is usually known as a very festive month with all the holiday cheer. Everyone's usually in a good mood because Christmas is coming, right? But that's not the case for a lot of people. Now already, we have come to know something called winter blues. And that's when the seasons change. And usually it happens in regions where there's really seasonal change. Me being from Los Angeles, California, on the West Coast, we really don't typically see seasons change that much. However, individuals can still be affected by it. Also during the Christmas season in December, you know, people who have lost their loved ones, they're reminded that their loved ones are no longer here. Today, I found out that Nick Cannon's youngest son, five-month-old Zen, passed away from a brain tumor. And um, just watching his message, um, his heartfelt message, and him just pouring out his soul and showing his grief for the world. Um, it really hurt my soul. And it just reminded me how this happened at, you know, right during the holiday season, how difficult the holidays now are going to be for him, you know, the rest of the family, you know, the child's mom and, and all. But a lot of people deal with this year after year. And sometimes when we have gone on with our lives, you know, the individual is still stuck, left dealing with this loss. Grief and loss is real. And I tell my clients all the time, give yourself some grace because there's no target moment when you should be over it. And, you know, a lot of times people may think that we should just be over it. However, clinically, if you feel like you're still dealing with the same level of pain, because the pain should have subsided somewhat over the years, but if you're definitely feeling like the same level of intensity, you definitely want to get some help and reach out to a therapist, okay? So today's episode, I want to focus on winter blues and grief and loss, and I hope that this episode can help you learn more about this. Um, to help yourselves or if you need to share it with others, okay? So please stay tuned. You definitely do not want to miss this episode, okay? Thank you. And uh, I'll be back after this break. Today today is a, is a special one, y'all. It's like um, for, for many reasons, but it's not going to be an easy one um, because I got so much to talk about. I actually haven't even shared this with anybody, really. I mean, not even, you know, the crew. I came in, you know, today is kind of quiet. Um, 
And just because there's, you know, so much going on in the world, and I had a, I had, I had a tough, very tough weekend. Um, but it's like, you know, before I even get into why, I always, you know, we go to the pick of the day. And I got to show, this is the pick of the day. Uh, my youngest son, Zen Scott Cannon right there. Um, So, um, probably uh, before the show started in the summertime, um, Zen was born uh, in June, uh, on June 23rd, actually. And, it was, you know, it was a great day. You know, as y'all know, I got a lot of kids. Uh, and so, and Zen's my, Zen's my youngest, and it was, so, it was so exciting. And I got, you know, I did the introducing Zen photo, and, um, you know, so during the summer, it was, it was really exciting. But I always noticed, like, yeah, as he got like, one month was great. By the time he got two months, he was just, like, the most loving. We called him Z chilling. He was just always smiling, all, like, always having uh, just the most beautiful spirit. But I always noticed he had, like, a little, like, to me, it felt like a sinus thing. It was like a cough. Uh, and I just wanted to check it out. You know, sometimes, early on, we thought, because, you know, babies get fluid in their lungs and stuff. So we thought... You know, he'll cough it out, and that's what they would say. But he always had this real interesting breathing. Uh, and then, I, like, by the time he was two months old, I, I, I noticed, like, he's just the cutest little boy. I have these, like, big eyes. And I also noticed, he's like, he had, like, a, a nice size head. He had, like, a, I call it a cannon head. Like, all, like, all my kids got really nice round heads, you know, like, rock, roll, golden. Everybody had, like, even me, I had, like, a real, like, cabbage patch kid type of head. So we didn't think anything about it. He had a normal, yeah, he had a normal cannon head. Uh, and, but I really wanted to, you know, take him to the doctor to get the, the breathing and the sinus things checked out. So we thought it would be, you know, um, a routine um, process. And um, we went in just to check his sinuses and they, they actually said his sinuses were pretty cool. But then by the time we found out that he had an, another condition, uh, and I think it was called, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but it was like where it was fluid that was building up in his head and that was the cause of his head was starting to get big. And, it, and when we found out it was more of a, they called it like a, a, a malignant tumor in his head. Uh, and so immediately we had to have surgery, it was brain surgery. We put a shunt in his head and we were hoping for the best. And, you know, the shunt would go down, it was like a tube that would go inside and drain all of the fluid out so his head would be, normal and uh, you know he would be able to function but then the doctors were concerned and when I say I have to thank all of the doctors at uh, the Children's Hospital of Orange County Chalk out there they were beautiful nurses the people uh, <laughs> Trinity the hospice care all of those people uh, they've been so and they were really educating and kind of letting us know everything that was going on so we were we were faithful and, and hopeful for that time and then it you know it was carried on he was still just playing with all his brothers and sisters. We had to get an opportunity. I just took, I embraced every moment because, you know, something like that, you know, uh, that, yeah, that was even them, like, with all the other kids. And, like, I just got an opportunity to try to spend as much time. And I really want to say uh, I'm so grateful to 
my entire family for coming together during this time and being so loving and not judgmental of me or any of those things. And I really have to say uh, Zen's mom, Alyssa, was Alyssa was just ama- like the strongest woman I've ever seen because she never had an argument, never was angry, you know, was emotional when she, she needed to be, but was always the best mom and, and continues to be the best mom possible. So I got to say thank you to my entire family, but specifically to Alyssa. And the, so uh, Thanksgiving, you know, because up until then, he was just like all my other kids, just loving and fun. But Thanksgiving, we had an interesting turn, and the process sped up, you know, and and ultimately, if anybody knows how cancers, it was cancer in the brain. and the, the tumor began to grow a, a lot faster. And so we knew that the time was... So uh, this weekend, you know, I made a, a valid effort to, to spend the most quality time I could spend with Zen. And um, we woke up on um, Sunday. Got to spend, I just got to spend, you know, the weekend with them, spend the night, and we woke up on Sunday, and I was like, I just feel like I want to go to the water. You know, we're in close to the ocean, and, you know, we kind of got a chance to go to the, to the ocean. And usually on Sundays, um, I kind of handle everything I had to handle with the family, and then I fly back to, to New York. I rush back so I could be here for you all. And so, you know, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, I had allowed the sun to rise and, you know, kind of hold my son. Um, and in the... Happened, happened, happened the last, oh, holding my son for the last time. But it was still, it was a beautiful setting to, and even spend that whole day it was interesting because even as I was holding them, I still, I was still preparing my day as it normally went to come back and, you know, come here and still, I didn't know what it was going to be, but I just, but even by the time I got in the car and was headed to the airport, I had to turn around. And, and I turned around and I, not only did we get to see the sunrise, but we got to see the sunset too. And uh, I didn't know how I was gonna handle today. I didn't know how, but I, I just really wanted, you know, the, I wanted to grieve with my family. You know what I mean? There's no people who love you. I love you too. And I didn't, I didn't want to make it about any pageantry or any of that type of stuff, so I kind of went back and forth for what I should do, but I felt like it, 
you know, uh, I, I was always talking about you don't just go through it, you grow through it, you, you keep pushing, you know what I mean? And I, I have so much faith in the Lord. I have so much faith in God. And I never, I never, you know, people were often telling me I should pray for miracles, and I did pray for the miracle. I prayed for the miracle of God's strength, and that's why I'm here with you guys today, because I know, you know, he, he puts the, the most and heaviest weight on the shoulders of his strongest soldiers. So I'm here to show that I can fight through this. I'm feeling it, I'm vulnerable, I'm open, y'all, but I'm gonna make it through. And this is a special show dedicated to my beautiful son, um, Dr. Laura Berman is here. Y'all know she's my daytime therapist. She has helped me with so many things and so many areas in my life. And, Dr. Laura has also dealt with some similar situations in her own life as a parent, so I didn't, she's the perfect person to talk to. She's here today. I know so many people out there have experienced the kind of pain and grief that I'm experiencing right now. We all know it. This is that time to say you never know what somebody's going through. Hug your people, hug your family, kiss somebody, tell them you love them. It's the holidays, and we're here. We'll be right back. The information provided on this platform is for informational purposes only. If you ever find yourself becoming triggered, please refrain from listening. If you ever feel like you want to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, please dial 911 or report to your nearest emergency room. Thank you. Welcome back. December is known as a festive time of the year. I've even heard it be referred to as the Friday of all the months, right? And I personally love the month because it's my birthday month. It's a month we celebrate also the birth of Christ for my fellow Christians out there. But it isn't so festive for everyone as I said before the break, right? December can serve as a reminder of loved ones who have passed away who can no longer celebrate with us, right? And I personally know that. I have um, family who've passed away and during the holidays, you do miss their presence being there. Also, December is the winter month when many begin to be affected by what we commonly call winter blues are more appropriately called Seasonal Affective Disorder, or the acronym SAD-SAD. How appropriate, right? Now, with that said, January, to be honest, is where SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, is most prominent and prevalent due to seasonal changes as well as financial issues. Yes, after the holidays, you know, when everyone was spending and in the holiday cheer, now they're stuck with those bills. And so it can trigger depression as well or exacerbate it, okay? Now, according to a January 19th, 2020 article titled, Why January is Known as the Most Depressing Month of the Year, and that's found on clickondetroit.com, seasonal affective disorder or SAD is a mood disorder that occurs when the seasons change. It usually starts in the fall and winter and continues until spring 
and summer hits again. So basically, it starts in the winter and like the article states, which is true, it continues until spring and summer hits again. And this is not to say that depression can be felt in the spring and summer months because we know it can, right? Um, but there are some differences in symptoms. Now, all of the holiday cheer has um, dissipated, you know, and like I said before, some are stuck with the bills and it can exacerbate depressive symptoms. Now, according to another article found on pubmed.gov, now this is a research study and the title of this research was Contrast Between Symptoms of Summer Depression and Winter Depression. Okay, so let's talk about the winter symptoms that are most prominent. Atypical vegetative symptoms with increased appetite, carbohydrate cravings, we may have, have had that without having depression, right? <laughs> Weight gain and hypersomnia. And, uh, well, let me, before I, be, um, I go on, hypersomnia is when you want to sleep too much, okay? When you just want to oversleep. And, you know, for us women, sometimes that happens when we're in our menstrual cycles and things of that sort. Sometimes we're just tired. But this is um, when it's um, related to depression. Now, in the summer months, this is what the symptoms usually look like. Um, vegetative symptoms with decreased appetite and insomnia, meaning you can't sleep, okay? So, um, you know, look, um, research that a little bit more on your own if you want to, but I just wanted to just give you a little teaser, not to really go into detail, but those are some of the symptom differences that you will have with both, okay? Now, um, let's take another short break. And when I come back, I want to go into grief and loss and how it relates to the holidays, because that's how I started this uh, podcast episode was um, talking a little bit about Nick Cannon and his recent loss. You know, I know that's devastating, you know, losing a child because we've always heard that statement that um, parents should not outlive their children. And especially when a loss like this happens for um, an infant, you know, a child, definitely we feel like they have so much life ahead of them. It is definitely devastating. And um, especially when it's during the holidays. So um, when I come back, I definitely want to speak on grief and loss and how it relates to the holidays. Okay. So please stay tuned. If you or someone you love is having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. It is available 24 hours, seven days a week. You are not alone. This is your girl, Letitia, coming to you from the virtual couch. I want to take a little bit of your time today to discuss how to find the right therapist. Now, like with anything, your hairstylist, your gardener, your medical doctor, it may take a few tries before you find the right fit. Finding the right therapist is no different. So stay the course and don't give up. 
Also, I want to empower you to ask questions. Do not feel like you're being intrusive by asking questions because guess what? This is the person that's gonna lead you and guide you towards your healing. And this is a very important partnership. So I will say this even as a therapist myself, if a therapist becomes offended by any questions that you may have, just like with any other individual that I discussed before, like your doctor, your gardener, whoever, someone you know working on your home, if they become offended, you're probably not gonna hire them, right? Exactly. Your therapist is no different. So don't feel offended. Don't be offended by the degrees and the licenses and yes, all those hard things we worked for, but we're here for you. And so it is your right to ask every question you need to ask to make sure it is the right fit for you. And again, it may take a few tries. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that therapist is a bad person either. It just means that, you know what, they may not be the right person to guide you on your journey. Um, so I wanna leave you with a, free, a few resources. Uh, psychologytoday.com is a resource where you can view various therapists and you can even input your area by your zip code, your city and your state to find the therapist nearest you. You can also go to therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyforblackmen.org. Please seek these resources out. They are awesome. There's some wonderful, very experienced therapists on these sites, some of which are my beautiful colleagues, and I know the hard work that they do, and they are waiting to hear from you. Okay, so I'm not going to take any more of your time because I know you can't rush to, can't wait to get to that computer, right? And search out that therapist. So I'm not going to say anything further. If you want to tell me about your experience, I would love to hear about it. Please email me at virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com and happy hunting. Take care. Y'all enjoy the As I stated before the break in the intro, if your grief is still at the same level of intensity after significant time has passed since your loved one has passed with symptoms of sadness, impaired eating, sleeping, sense of worthlessness, hopelessness, low energy slash fatigue, suicide ideation or attempts that affect your daily functioning, that means your relationships, jobs, and just how you move around in life, right? Um, if you're a student in school, if those symptoms are affecting your daily life, they're impairing your daily life over a year after your loved one has passed, um, it may be depression. Now, I don't really like giving a time frame. Um, however, if it's at the same level of, of intensity, that is your body letting you know that you may need some extra help. Yes, bereavement is normal, 
when we experience loss, um, not just death, but just any loss, right? Our body is going to react to it. So with that said, um, like I said before, give yourself some grace. However, do not be afraid or ashamed to reach out and seek help from a trained, and I'm going to say this specifically (laughs) and emphasize it, right? Trained, licensed therapist. And the reason why I'm saying that and emphasizing because in this day and age, we have so many individuals who are self-proclaimed coaches and some of them (laughs) want to be therapists without any credentials and it can be very dangerous. Um, you know, myself and my my colleagues, we, we talk about this all the time. I think a lot of times people think that therapy is us just talking. No, we are trained, highly trained for years about um, the different processes, the different um, theoretical approaches and um, just how to work with individuals. Because if one is not highly trained, they can do more damage if they don't know what they're doing, right? So I say that, please reach out to um, not your friend. Of course, your friends and your family are there to help you along the way, but they're not therapists. And, you know, it's just not fair to them anyway. Um, When we are going through things, yes, it's, it's really helpful and it feels good to talk to a friend, but they're also not equipped. You don't know that you may even be triggering them Because guess what? Just because we think we know everyone, we don't know what people triggers are and how much one can handle. So not saying that you're trying to do this, but telling your story or leaning on someone who is not equipped, it can send them spiraling as well. Okay, so be very mindful um, of that. Now, in past episodes, you probably have heard me allude to grief and loss and it not being a linear process. And what that means is one can go back and forth. You can um, ebb and flow, right? So for instance, at the end of the stages, we have acceptance. After you go through all the stages, that's where we all wanna get to is acceptance when you have accepted the loss and you're able to move on. However, it is common to get to a point to where you um, have come to grips with the loss, but you go back. And that's fine because that that happens sometimes when anniversaries that may trigger, um, you know, any um, memories of the loss. You may look at a photo or anything like that. However, over time, you will see that you won't stay at those spaces very long because you have learned um, various coping skills and you just have come to grips with the loss, okay? Now, in 1969, there was an individual by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she um, was a Swedish-American psychiatrist, right? She introduced the model, um, as I just alluded to, the five stages of grief, and she had a book, and the book is called, um, I think, On Death and Dying. Uh, I think that's the name of the book, but I know she is very... um, She's the one that when you hear of the stages of grief and loss, she is the one that um, came up with the five stages, right? Now, this grief model was one of the first models used to help individuals recognize the stages of grief and um, the effects and causes of it, right? And so the first stage is denial, And some of these are self-explanatory, so I won't really go into them. If you want to know more about them, please Google five stages of grief, okay? So the first one of the uh, five stages is denial. Then we have anger, 
We have bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. And again, these stages are not linear, meaning that you're just not going to go. And some people might, right? Some people may go through all the stages um, and some people may skip some stages and and get to where they think they're um, at acceptance and vice versa. I've seen it all um, being a trauma therapist. So like I said, be kind to yourself and others because um, you just really don't know how you're going to react. And guess what? Some issues of grief and loss, it depends on the person, how close you were, you know, you were to the person, um, other things that probably were going on in your life during that time that made you more stoic and more strong than other times. So it's a, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of layers. So for instance, if you lost someone and you really didn't have to go through these, um, these stages, that's fine, but it may be another time and someone, another person you lost and you felt like you know, you really couldn't cope and that's fine as well. Okay. So I just wanted to, um, you know, just go through, um, through that to help you now again, grief and loss. It can definitely be a lifelong thing. You will always grieve your loved one, right? Because they were, they held a significant part in your world. That's very, um, important to realize, but just not at the same level of intensity. And I keep stressing that because you shouldn't be grieving at the same level of intensity as when it first occurred. Okay. Now, um, grief is a process. You know, the process is not always about feeling stressed or overwhelmed. Okay. Um, and just know that Again, give yourself some grace because during this time, you are beginning to reconstruct and work through the aftermath of the loss. So whatever it takes for you to cope, um, aside from drugs and alcohol and, you know, those maladaptive ways, you know, if you need to go to therapy, lean on friends, you can use a variety of things. However, the more weighty things, definitely seek um, therapists. Um your pastor at church, you know, if, if, you know, if you, um, rely on a faith. Okay. I know for me, I have had, um, tremendous loss in my life, you know, some very close individuals. And if it wasn't for my faith, I'm, I'm going to let you know. And friends, um, you know, I don't know how I would have been able to get through them. So, you know, definitely mix up your coping mechanisms and coping strategies and build yourself a strong network of supporters. I cannot stress that enough. A strong network is very important. Okay. Um, so yeah, now let's talk about grief and how it can manifest in various individuals. And again, it can manifest differently in different individuals. And we have some physical responses, some emotional and cognitive responses. And I'm just gonna go over a few of those, okay? Physically, one can be impacted by having um, issues with their appetite increase or decrease. You can feel um, tired, fatigued, um, sleeplessness or sleeping um, too much or a lot. And you may have a de um, decrease or increase in your sexual drive, shortness of breath, um, palpitations, and you definitely want to go get checked out because anytime you're having heart 
palpitations. Yes, it can be signaling grief, but it can be a medical um, issue too. So you definitely want to make sure there's no underlying medical issues. Um, and sometimes grief can bring on medical issues. So you definitely want to check out that um, gastrointestinal, um, intestinal, I'm sorry, gastrointestinal upsets, um, dry mouth. So those are some of the physical, although there could be more um, for emotional responses, sadness, of course, helplessness, yearning, longing, fear, anxiety, um, relief. You know, sometimes people feel a relief. It depends on what happened. Um, with that particular person because say for instance if a person who has been sick for a long time and you may even feel guilty by feeling this but you may feel a relief that they're in a better place and that they're no longer in pain okay you may feel some guilt numbness despair irritability where you feel like you know you have a short fuse it's very common you may feel some anger um, again short-tempered and um some unexpected fears because you know sometimes death can bring on the thoughts of our own um immortality right no not immortality our mortality basically because we're not immortal um basically if you are thinking oh my god you know i'm gonna die one day so you are fearful of your own mortality okay some cognitive aspects may be some forgetfulness. You may have some memory issues where you, uh, even your eyeglasses, maybe you're in your eyes and you forget they were on your eyes, even though you can do that without going through grief and loss. I know I have. <laughs> Just uh, moving too fast. Um, some confusion. Um, diff- difficulty concentrating. That's very, yeah, that can happen. Um, distractions, denial obsessive thinking, vagueness, hallucinations, vivid dreams. So those are some things that can happen too. And um, just to add, there are some behavior and spiritual aspect as well. And behavior, you may have some hyperactivity where you feel like you're fidgety, always moving around, social withdrawal or isolation, lack of motivation, low self-esteem, restlessness. And um, for the spiritual aspect, you may have had this before if you ever lost someone questioning about previous held religious beliefs. I've heard many people have even questioned their belief in God. Like, how could God do this to me? That is very common. Loss of faith, questioning the meaning of life, sense of meaningless and pointlessness, strengthening of spiritual um, connections. And and that can be the opposite of losing your faith, right? Some people have gotten stronger and closer in their faith to God, right? A sense of the presence of the person that have died. And so I've heard that a lot as well. So um, that was a lot to digest. And so after this break, let's get into how would one cope Um, with grief during the holidays and just in general. But I wanted to specifically talk about the holidays because we are approaching Christmas and we're in the holiday season and it may not be very um, jolly for a lot of people. So um, I purposely created this podcast episode to help um, those out there who may be struggling during this time. So please stay tuned and I'll be back.
as I have already stated, losing a loved one can be very difficult. Now, let's add the fact that it's the holidays and there are constant reminders of their absence. And let's even add the fact that you may already be dealing with depression. This is the case for a lot of individuals, okay? So again, please have some grace on yourself, okay? I cannot stress that enough. Please have grace on yourself, with yourself. I said on yourself, right? (laughs) Have grace with yourself, okay? Now, let's discuss some things you can do to get through. Now, before I begin, I would like to um, suggest a book by Gary Rowe. Now, he has a series of books dealing with grief and loss, and I think you need to look at those. Um, They're pretty reasonable on Amazon, and I love to Um, help other authors, you know, just like I am one too, to um, help line their pockets as well, especially if they have great content, you know? And so he has various um, books on grief and loss um, of various issues, like maybe a loss of a pet, um, suicide, a loss of a spouse. And I think um, you need to take a look at some of his books, okay? Now, this one particular book that I would suggest is Surviving the Holidays Without You, Navigating Grief During Special Seasons. And again, it's by Gary Rowe. And Rowe is spelled R-O-E, okay? So let's get into it. And we're going to wrap this up. Um, How to Cope with Grief during the holidays. Now, these are eight strategies that you can um, employ, okay? First, set boundaries with holiday events. I definitely can't stress this enough. Know how much you can take, okay? Do not try to please everyone. Your needs are first. So if you have to leave an event early or decline altogether, then do that, okay? You have to be kind to yourself and people would understand. And guess what? If they don't, who gives a care, right? It's about you. And that lets you know where they are if they don't understand. So it lets you know if these people are to go into the next season with you, okay? When people are not um, kind and compassionate and can empathize with our situations, they're basically telling you that they don't want to be in your life anymore, okay? Number two, tune into your grief emotions. Pay attention to how you're feeling. Um, Again, these are signals. Our bodies are very complex and very intricate and um, just wonderful and how it lets us know and signal for us to stop, okay? Um, I always know when my body, when I need to rest because I'm antsy, um, sometimes I'm sleeping a lot. I'm like, okay, I need a vacation. Let me get out of here. Um, so just pay attention to your body. Slow down and pay attention to your body, okay? Number three, plan ahead to fill empty holiday rolls, okay? Um, I don't want to really go into that because I really don't even understand what that means, but let me just see. Plan ahead to fill empty holiday rolls. Okay, I, I can get what it's saying. Basically, um, with the loss of a loved one, there are roles that are now going to be empty. And so prepare for that. For instance, a good example would be 
my grandmother for a long time was the house that everyone went over, right? Um, went to for the holidays. And so ahead of time, um, I did think about, okay, where are we going? What are we going to do now? <laughs> so, um, I would say that would be, you know, plan ahead of time to fill those empty roles. I know some of you who are listening may traveled before um, for the holidays. And now that you don't get to do that, um, you may be sad about that. So I do understand. So I'll I'll retract that statement before. (laughs) Um, Honor old traditions and honor memories. Okay. With that said, again, you may want to look at old photos, look at old videos, talk with some friends and families about um, how special that individual was in your life, in the life of others, okay? Um, create new traditions. You definitely want to create new traditions because um, the loss of that person, it's going to change the dynamics of your family um, or your, you know, of your friend space. It depends on who the loved one is. Um, for this sake, I'll talk about family And so you may want to set some new traditions. And guess what? Change is good, but change is hard. So I will definitely say that, okay? Identify grief coping skills. Um, You know you want to do some deep breathing. You may want to take a vacation. You want to surround yourself with some positive people. I can't stress that enough. And um, just because they're family don't mean that they're always positive, okay? So sometimes you have to go outside of the circle. And, um, you know, sometimes people can relate to us when they are not that familiar with us. And you may have experienced that as well. Sometimes when people think they know us, they think they know us a little bit too well where they where they miss the mark, <laughs> I should say. Okay, so sometimes you may have to look outside of your circle for some um, some help. Again, seeking a therapist is one of those people if that is for you. Um, you definitely want to get a lot of rest, eat right. Um, venting is always good and venting with friends, but also venting with a therapist. You see, I'm saying that again, right? Um, and there's a lot of other coping skills that you can um, you can use volunteer or do something charitable um when you're doing something for other people helping out and i think i've said this many times in other episodes it's intrinsically rewarding what does that mean it means it help it feels good inside to do something for other people you'd be surprised when you're down in the dumps when you're helping someone else how it makes you feel Okay, so maybe volunteer, um, you know, toy drives during the holidays, um, soup kitchens and things of that sort, giving things away. Even if you have to give some things away of your loved one, um, because sometimes it's very hard to um, look at some of their things constantly. And I know it's hard sometimes to part with those things. I've been there, but sometimes it's best to give those things away to someone who can use them as well. Okay, and sometimes, you know, our loved ones would want that to happen anyway. You know, um, for the most part, they probably were charitable and would want that to happen. And giving away, it helps you. And also getting the things out of your home probably just help your space with the clutter and also with the memories as well. Because sometimes memories are good, but sometimes they can keep us stagnant um, without really um, healing, um, you know, properly. Okay, and lastly... Ask for help when struggling with grief. It's okay to ask for help. You cannot do this alone and you don't have to. Um, Again, please utilize 
therapy resources and that's why we are here right we're not here just collecting dust we're here to help you you have to definitely find the right fit and um i have an insert in this episode in other episodes where i just have a entire episode on finding the right therapist so i will suggest you look at that too not a shameless plug because um it's something that would definitely help you i had to send it to a friend um here recently who was struggling with um, losing a loved one recently. So, and sometimes it's scary, you know, especially if you've never been to therapy before, what questions to ask. And um, I wanted to do that episode to empower you. We're not scary, you know, just like with anything else. Um, you definitely want to ask questions and sort of kind of interview because this is the person that will be helping you along, along the journey, okay? So with that said, I'm not going to hold you too long on the couch. I want you to get out and get out the house and enjoy this holiday season. December is the best month of the year. You know that, right? And yes, I am saying that because it's my birthday month. <laughs> the birth of Christ as well, right? First and foremost. Um, so with that said, have a very, very Merry Christmas and um I was going to say Happy New Year, but I may do another episode, so we may sit on the couch again together. But if not, have a Happy New Year. Um, I'm looking forward to 2022. I have some great things in store, of course, every year, and I'm pretty sure you do as well. But it's not, it isn't worth anything if we're not going into the new year healed and whole. Okay, so with that said, have a blessed rest of your December and take care. Wasn't that show fire? I hope you enjoyed your time on the virtual couch with our girl Letitia on Letitia's virtual couch. You did that, Letitia. Letitia's virtual couch.